Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Kong Hee. I want to share a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. And we have read this scripture many times, but I want to read to you from the Amplified Bible. And I, I think it's, it's pretty awesome from the Amplified. It says over here in verse 6, Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously with blessings. So the Bible talks a lot about sowing and reaping. Everybody say sowing and reaping. And I just cannot help but to remember that the Bible says whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow grudgingly, you're going to reap grudgingly. I, I, I don't know how, how you actually reap a grudge, but it must be true because it's in the Word. But if you sow generously, and especially you bless someone, it says over here, you're going to be blessed by others. Now, I cannot help but to remember uh, Pastor Phil used to say something many years ago. When he was a young man, he used to give away guitars. And, and as he became a pastor, people started giving him so many guitars all the time. He was getting one guitar every few months. He could actually open a guitar shop. Because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Um, another friend, Brother John Avanzini, was sharing about a lady that uh, he has known. And this lady in her old age, you know, and, and she was really struggling a little bit financially. But she was frustrated because she came to Brother John and said, I don't understand. Why is it that people keep on giving me lemon cakes? You know, I, they should be blessing me with money because um, I'm getting old and, and I am short of money. But they keep blessing me with lemon cakes. So Brother John asked her a question, say, when you were younger, you know, do you give people money? She said, never, I'm very stingy. But do you give people anything? Yeah, I'm a good cook. I used to, I'm a good baker. I bake lemon cakes for others. So now in her old age, she's reaping lemon cakes because whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Now, when I was uh, starting out as a pastor and I used to meet different missionaries, and very often my the easiest thing to give them was to buy them ties. So I get them all kinds of ties. You know, I mean, go Leon ties, you know, um, uh, Lambin ties, whatever ties I could get, second chance tie, you know, and I just give ties away all the time. I just give ties, give ties. And then after a while, I realized everybody's giving me ties back. And in fact, I have so many ties, I started, you know, I mean, I was reaping 30-fold, 60-fold, literally 100-fold. And in fact, today in my house, I have so many ties, I hardly even use them. I'm just giving them away. I'm, I'm really afraid because if I sow some more, I'm going to reap some more. But whatever you sow, you are going to reap. That's what the Bible says. Now look at verse 7. It says, Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart. So, Giving is not something casual. You don't just, well, it's offering time. Well, let's see what are the loose changes I have in my pocket. Or, you know, can this part of the service quickly be over so we get into the preaching of the Word? No, I mean, it's a very mentally conscious thing. you got to make up your mind. you got to engage your mind how much you're going to give. And that is why in our church we talk a little bit about giving before we collect. Because the Bible says you got to love Him with all your mind. And there's got to be purpose in your heart. Your emotions got to be correct. You see, you cannot give reluctantly. You cannot give sorrowfully, it says. You shouldn't be giving under compulsion. Giving is free will. Even tithing is free will. 
You know, nobody can force you to give. God does not want you to give unwillingly. For God loves, now check this out, He takes pleasure in, He prizes above other things. Now, when, when I read this, I was just blown away. Do you know that your giving to God, He prizes over other things? In other words, we may think when we come to the house of God, well, it's our worship that He prizes the most. We may think, well, it is our diligence in, in, in um, maybe reading the Bible that He prizes above the most. When I was younger, I used to think, if I fast and pray and fast and pray, well, that's the key to get the anointing. Now, that's one of the keys. But later on, I realized the Bible says that our giving, if, if, God, if God can entrust us with financial things, then He can entrust us with the true heavenly riches, which is His anointing. Very often, it's our giving that He prizes above other things that will qualify us for many of His amazing gifts. And it says over here, He, he takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do so without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart it is in His giving. God loves a cheerful giver. I, I don't know about you. I, I thought today's service is going to be pretty amazing because when I walked into this room, I just felt a cheerfulness in the place. You know, last week, every, I can sense a little bit of tension. But today when I came in, everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy to see me. I'm happy to see everybody too. You know, and there's such a joy. How many of you can sense the presence of God today, right? I just, I just sense an atmosphere of joy. When Sandy Bolang led the first song, man, I just thought it's going to be a great service today. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. Now, our giving, we always say we give to God. Now, how do we do that? Does it mean that after the service, we take all our offering, we shoot it in a rocket to heaven? No, all the money remains on the earth. What goes up to God is our faith. What goes up to God is our joy. What goes up to God is our cheerfulness, our willingness in our heart. Now, let's look at one more verse, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace, that means every favor and earthly blessing. All grace, every favor and earthly blessing. Everybody say, I'm highly favored and greatly blessed. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're highly favored and greatly blessed. And God is able to make all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need. Well, I mean, we are in a situation where we need that always part to happen. We are under certain circumstances right now. And we have needs in our lives, individually, corporately. And then what happens? To be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Man, I mean, this verse is, I was just thinking about this, it just blew me away. You know, self-sufficient. So I keep telling myself, Kong He, you can be self-sufficient. Possessing enough. I don't require aid or support. I can be furnished in abundance so that I can keep on doing every good work and keep on giving, tithing, giving to my building fund, sowing and reaping. 
You know, this week I, I read the story of my pastor, Dr. Cho, and I just love reading his stories. He, he called me from L.A. He was preaching there in his, in his, uh, in his church in, in North America. So he gave me a call, and, and he was encouraging me. But this week, we, I, I, I read a story, or heard a story that was really a, a great blessing. Many, many years ago, when Dr. Cho was starting out, and this, was, this take us back probably 40 years ago, Korea was very poor. Dr. Cho had a member, and this lady at first wasn't a Christian. She had 10 kids living in a very poor neighborhood. The husband was an alcoholic. And every time, uh, in fact, all the 10 kids, they earned their money by shining shoes. So they are shoe shiners. But all their earnings, the husband would use it to buy liquor. The husband was a severe, severe alcoholic. So the family were like living like beggars. They were struggling and struggling and struggling. One day, Dr. Cho went for the home visitation. And Dr. Cho tried to preach the gospel to her and said, listen, there's a heaven for you to go. If, if you don't believe in Jesus, then one day you end up in hell. Well, the lady told Dr. Cho, he said, Dr. Cho, I'm not afraid to go to hell because I'm already living in hell. So anyway, Dr. Cho invited her to come to church. She came to church, received Jesus Christ, and was gloriously saved. Well, they started praying for the husband. Shortly after that, the husband had an amazing encounter with God, and he too was also saved. Well, one day, a friend, out of the goodwill of his heart, gave the husband a sack of rice. Now, this takes us back 40 years ago, just right after the Korean War. And so Korea was very poor. The husband for the first time, didn't, so, didn't sell away the sack of rice to buy alcohol. Instead, brought that rice back home. The wife was so touched, she started to cry. She said, man, my husband's really changed. He didn't sell the sack of rice to buy bottles of drinks. He brought it home. So they, they were very excited. They got something to eat. Now, all of a sudden, as she was opening up the sack, she remembered the Bible lesson she learned in church. The powerful lesson of tithing that one-tenth belongs to God but she was really struggling so she took a scoop one-tenth and she said well this one should go to the church should go to the pastor because the pastor is just as poor but then she was thinking God surely you understand we are hungry I have ten kids so she poured it back into the sack and then the Holy Spirit just touched her heart and said look trust God give your tithe so she scooped it up again, and then she put it back. Scoop it up, put it back. She was struggling all the way through the night. 4 a.m. in the morning, she woke up. She said, I am going to obey God and give my tithe. One-tenth belongs to God. So she took up a, a, a scoop of one-tenth of the rice, put it in a small little pot. And 4 a.m. in the morning, with courage, she was walking around the beaten road to Dr. Cho's house. Along the way, she fell on the dirt road. And so she was crying. She was in pain. She's saying, man, I mean, maybe this is not God's will. Maybe God is telling me he doesn't need my 10% of rice. But anyway, she reached the house, not on the door. I said, Dr. Cho, this is my tithe for you. It's a big struggle, but I want to honor God. And this one-tenth for you, for your family, for your church, whatever. Dr. Cho prayed for her, and then she left. One month later, she came running to Dr. Cho's house again. And she said, Dr. Cho, you won't believe it. A miracle had happened. She said, you know, from that day that I gave you that, 
that 10% of rice, do you know that our one sack of rice was able to feed our entire family for the last one month? Somebody say, wow. So Dr. Cho went with her back to the house, and there was this sack of rice, but it was not full. In fact, there was only exactly 10% of the rice left in the sack. But then every time they scoop up the rice to cook, the next morning, there was another 10%. They scoop up, and there was a 10% again. And it, the miracle kept on continuing until the husband would have enough money or would be blessed with another sack of rice. And it went on like this for many, many years until the family came out of poverty and became very successful. And today, the man is an elder in the church. Oh, come on, somebody give the Lord a big clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I tell you, it's good to trust in God. His word is irrevocable. If you tithe, He will open the windows of heaven. But you got to realize this. It's free will. It got to come from your heart. You got to engage your mind. You got to purpose. God, I love you. I'm going to trust you. So tonight, I want you to take up your offering envelopes. If you do not have one, just put up your hands and ask us to pass it out to you. And tonight, I want to ch challenge you, if you are not a tither, to be a tither. If you have tithe already, be a generous giver. Tonight, just give your offering. If you're making a check, will you please make it payable to City Harvest Church? And those of you watching on the internet, will you please follow the icon of your screen? Now, if you're giving through your Visa, your MasterCard, your American Express, please fill in the numbers, expiration date, put in the amount, and sign your name. Father, I want to thank you that tonight we're able to give to you. Father, when we hear our stories of supernatural provision, Lord, it's not just fairy tales that we read about in the Scripture. We see it in our lives. We see it in this church. Again and again, you have provided for us. Again and again, always, under all circumstances, whatever the need may be, you give us more than enough so that we are able to fulfill every good work for the glory of your kingdom. So I pray you bless every single tither and giver in Jesus' name and everyone say, Amen. I should just go ahead and collect the offering. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, this few weeks has been quite draining for every one of us. And um, over the last few days, God has been speaking to Son and I about a very simple topic, about love. L-O-V-E, love. L-O-V-E, love. Two days ago, I tweeted this. I want the love that cannot help but love. Loving like God for the very sake of love. Isn't that wonderful? I want the love that cannot help but love. Loving like God for the very sake of love. God is love. And I know that all of us are a little drained emotionally and just sense that this is a season when God is telling us, just stop for a moment. Just get back into a love relationship with Him. And I also realized, son's Twitter profile says, love living, live loving. I never knew that. You know, yeah, so... It's, it's, it's a confirmation, you know, it's conf because I don't, I don't check her tweets all the time. And I know that God is doing something amazing. I know more than anything else that the love of God in our hearts are growing more and more every single day. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 18 talks about the width, the length, the height, and the depth of God's love. 
that there's nothing wider than His love. His love is so great, so unconditional. He will accept us in His bosom if we come to Him. His love is so long, there's nothing longer than God's love that it speaks of His faithfulness. It has no ending. He says, I love you with an everlasting love. There is no limit to His love. The Bible talks about nothing being higher than God's love. His love is so noble. There's a nobility. There is a loftiness in His love that it will carry us higher and higher from glory to glory. God's love is so great. The Bible says there's nothing deeper than His love. He feels so deeply for you, for me, so deeply for us. God loves us with everything. No one feels more deeply about us than Jesus Christ himself. So this week, I sense God telling me, Kong, just shut yourself off from all the voices of the, of the world and shut yourself off and just come to the secret place just to worship me, to spend time with me, just experience my love for you, just take a moment to love me. And I just sense that that's not just for me, that's for our entire church. I cannot help but to think about Moses. You know, in Exodus chapter 3, he was already 80 years old. I mean, how old was Moses? 80 years old. For the first 40 years of his life, he thought he was a somebody. In fact, he was. He was the prince of Egypt. He was educated in the foremost university in, in Egypt. He was in Pharaoh's court. He was the prince. He was a somebody. And then for the next 40 years, Moses realized he was a nobody. He became a lowly shepherd in the backside of the desert. But it was precisely at that point of brokenness. Already 80 years old. If you ask him, Moses, what are you? He would say, I'm a broken man. 80 years old, a broken man. All the vision was gone. All the fiery zeal of a young prince was gone. Moses at the backside of the desert, and precisely in that state, God loves to appear to those with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Moses saw a bush that was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Maybe tonight you feel that way too. Emotionally, you feel drained, tired, devastated. Maybe emotionally, you feel wiped out because of your marriage situation, because of your career changes, maybe because you've been serving God and spiritually you're faced with challenges, and you feel that your vision is gone or your vision is dead. You feel that your vision somehow is no longer there. But the presence of the Holy Spirit is keeping you from burning out. You see, you are not totally consumed by your situation. Let me tell you, the reason why every single day I can stand is because the Holy Spirit is keeping me from burning out so that we can keep on burning on for Jesus. Oh, go ahead and give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4, 
It says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Now, let me say, God is everywhere. The word for it is He's omnipresent. But the very place that He chose to be that day in Exodus, He chose to show up in Mount Horeb. Well, it became immediately the mountain of God. It became the holy place of God. The ground immediately was changed. Everything became holy. Everything became anointed. And then he told Moses, I want you to take off your shoes. I want you to take off your shoes. What happens when Moses took off his shoes? He could feel the holiness of God. He could sense the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. God wanted him to sense it. God wanted him, slow down, Moses. Just when you think your vision is gone, just when you're so tired, 80 years old, a broken man, sense my presence. Experience me again. Take off your sandals. You see, God was wanting him to touch his holiness. Tonight, I believe God is saying three things to us. Number one, God is saying, touch me. City Harvest Church, touch me tonight. As you love me, touch me. Touch my presence. Touch my anointing. Touch my Holy Spirit. I'm still with you. Touch and see, I'm still here for you. You see, taking off the shoes is a distinctive culture of Asians. I think more than anyone else, we know what it means to take off shoes. You know, I mean, we go to a house or we visit somebody else, we take off shoes. It's a distinctive Asian culture. Really, I think I should just take it off, <laughs> put it on. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of respect. Jesus, I love you. I respect you. To encounter God, we need to humble ourselves and be open up in our hearts. Tonight, I really believe God is saying to us in City Harvest Church, take off your shoes and touch me. Touch what? Touch what concerning God? Exodus 33, God showed Moses three things. God showed him his goodness. God showed him his grace. God showed him his mercy and his compassion. Friends, listen. God doesn't just do good things. He's goodness altogether. God doesn't just have love or do loving things. God is love. When you touch him, you touch love. And I feel tonight... God wants us to touch His goodness, His grace, which is sufficient, and His love. Just one touch from God, and our lives will not be the same. 
the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, a chronic disease. Maybe some of you have been bleeding and, and you've been just losing a passion for your life. You've been, something in your life is just drained out because of a crisis in your family, in your relationship. It's been going on for a long time. One touch, the woman with this chronic 12-year disease touched Jesus and everything was changed. Jesus touched the leper and all his uncleanness was gone. Something always happens when we touch the Lord. You know, Dr. Yonggi Cho grew up under the Japanese occupation. And as a child, he really was, he and his family was really badly mistreated by the Japanese. He witnessed a lot of atrocities. He was forced to speak Japanese. He was forced to go to Japanese school, forced to bow down. He felt crushed in his spirit, in his soul, in his body. And he grew up with a deep hatred for anything Japan. In the 1970s, he was already a pastor. He was invited to go to Japan to preach. More than a thousand ministers, pastors, and church leaders were there. This was the first time he's been to Japan. Now, he stood before them, and all the wounded memories of his childhood began to well up within him. The faces of the thousand over Japanese pastors suddenly was transformed into the faces of Japanese soldiers. Dr. Cho couldn't preach. He remembered all the atrocities that he and his family had suffered under those soldiers. Suddenly he froze. He couldn't speak. Four minutes, five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. He couldn't utter a word. And finally, when he recovered his voice, he said, folks, I hate you. He told them that. I wish all of you could be destroyed. He said, whenever typhoons hit Japan, I feel happy. Whenever earthquakes hit Japan, I am happy. I can love you. And today I can preach unless God does something with my wounded spirit. He then broke down and he cried. All the Japanese pastors stood up. They formed a line and they came to the platform and one by one came crying and said, Pastor, forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive our ancestors for all the atrocities that they have done to Korea. Just forgive us. And they were crying. And as those pastors passed by, Dr. Cho began to think, look at all these people. They aren't soldiers. You know, I mean... They weren't even born during the war. They were all born after the war. I shouldn't hate them. And he prayed, God, please do something. Take away the hatred from my heart for Japanese. All of a sudden, Dr. Cho said, he felt like a gigantic hand from heaven came through his skull into his heart, into his mind, and grabbed hold of something and pulled it out. At that instant, all the hatred and bitterness was totally gone. For the next two hours, he preached like a man on fire, full of love and full of forgiveness for the Japanese. 
And from that moment in 1978, Dr. Cho would go back to Japan every single month. And today he has almost 100 churches, full gospel churches in Japan. And he has brought great revival to the country. Come on, give the Lord a big clap. Give the Lord a big hand. One touch from Jesus. One touch from Jesus. I don't know how much hatred you have. I don't know how much bitterness and resentment you have, but one touch from Jesus Christ, your life will not be the same. Tonight, Jesus is asking us, City Harvest, why don't you come and touch me? Touch my love. Touch my mercy. Touch my compassion. Why don't we just touch Jesus tonight? You know, why don't, why don't we just sing? You don't just, you don't have to do anything. Why don't, while you're sitting there, why don't we just sing right now? We just sing a song. Tonight, I just feel like God just wants us to worship Him. God wants us to take out our shoes, touch His presence, touch His holiness, and just worship Him. Hallelujah. You never change. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we sing it? To change, you are the God to save you when I'm afraid. You come and still my beating heart, still same. When hope is just a distant thought, you take my pain and you lead me. To the cross, what love is this that you gave your life for me and made a way for me to know you? And I confess your.
Why don't we just talk in tongues for a moment, shall we? Shudriya laka rabahantadiya laka rabahantadiya laka rabahantadiya Shudriya laka rabahantadiya laka rabahantadiya Jesus, we love you. Just touch him tonight. Just touch him tonight by faith in your heart. Just touch him tonight. Jesus is here. Jesus is here by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Shudriya laka rabahantadiya laka rabahantadiya Let's put us all the distraction, all the worries. Let's focus on Jesus. Shudriya lagarabhadriya 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 lagarabhadriya. Shudriya lagarabhadriya lagarabhadriya. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we worship you. Shudriya lagarabhadriya lagarabhadriya lagarabhadriya. Sing the song from the beginning, shall we?
Hallelujah. Amen. So God told Moses, take off your shoes, touch me. Another time somebody had to take off his shoes to, to touch God was in Joshua chapter 5. Now, this was the eve of the biggest battle of Joshua's life. In front of him took the city, stood the city of Jericho, standing in the way of the entrance to come into the promised land. For 40 years, the Israelites been dreaming about the promised land, and now they're at the very threshold of it. But there is this huge obstacle. Joshua had his doubts and his fears. He had his worries, he had his anxieties. He was worried about the reports of his advisors. I mean, they say it's going to be a tough fight. Maybe the entire army is going to perish. He looked at the formidable thickness of the wall. They said that you could have six chariots running around just on the walls of the Jericho itself. He was worried about the strength of his opponents. The Israelites, they have no battering rams. They have no moving towers. They have no catapults. All they had were slings and stones and arrows and some spears and trumpets. How do you go to war with trumpets? You can imagine the amount of fear, the amount of anxiety, the worries, the stress. Standing there, Joshua lifted up his eyes and lo and behold, he saw a man. A man stood there with a sword drawn out. Friends, this was not an ordinary man. This was the Son of God in the Old Testament way before he took on human flesh and was named Jesus Christ. His sword was drawn out. In other words, the Son of Man was ready to fight for God's people. And then the first thing he did, Joshua was so intense, he was so intense, he was so worn up. He's been a strategist. Remember, he was a warrior. He was a general. So he was so intense. He saw this man. He looked a little different. His sword was drawn out. The first thing he said, are you for us or against us? Imagine you tell Jesus Christ, are you for me or against me? If you're for me, stand on my side. Against me, get out of my way. Imagine, he was so intense. The Son of God say, neither. I'm not for you. I'm not for Jericho. I'm for God. I'm for me. Immediately, Joshua realized this is the Son of God. He fell down on his face and started to worship him. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 15. The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your foot. Here I go again. Take it off. For the place that you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. The first time the Bible said about taking off your shoes was in Moses' case. It was because God wanted Moses to touch him. Right now, God wanted Joshua to trust him. Now, when do you put on your shoes? You put on your shoes when you're about to leave. Okay, I'm going to get into action. You know, I'm, I'm going to get busy right now. I'm going to go about my activity. 
Soldiers put on their boots when they're ready to fight. Here was a man so worn out. He's ready to conquer Jericho. He's ready to go after his vision. But then, God said, take off your shoes. Slow down. I know you're ready to fight. I know you have everything planned out. You got your strategies. You're intense. You have momentum. You have action. God said to him, just trust me. Be still and know that I am God. Trust me to fight life's battles for you. Joshua had to learn to let go and to let God. He got to learn the battle is not his. The battle is the Lord's. Hallelujah. How many of you know if Jesus fights our life's battle, it's going to be victory all the way, every time. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Joshua got to learn just to stop for a moment before Jesus. To worship Him. To give thanks. To pray to Him. Listen, City Harvest Church, no matter what challenges you're faced with tonight, whether is it in your finances, whether is it in your business, in your family, no matter how ready you are to do something, just slow down. Just love Him. Worship Him. Commit your battle to Him. Jesus says, don't be afraid. Only believe. Don't be afraid. Just only believe. Just trust me. Why don't we trust Jesus tonight? Why don't we just worship Him? Why don't we just take off our shoes, figuratively speaking, and say, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply go. Longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your
given the battles of your life, whether you're struggling with sickness tonight, whether you're struggling with marriage difficulty, maybe you're struggling with anxiety, worries, fear, tonight just cast all your cares upon Him. Tonight just be still and know that He is God. Tonight just come to the secret place between you and the Lord. Tonight let Him be your refuge, let Him be your fortress. Let Him be your covering, let Him be your offense. The battle is not yours, the battle is His.
So Moses took off his shoes. Joshua took off his shoes. There's one more time someone took off his shoes. The third time was in the book of Ruth. And you know the story of Ruth. Ruth had lost her husband. She had lost her brother-in-law. She has lost her father-in-law. Well, it's a sad story, but it had a happy ending. Ruth fell in love with a man called Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz. Now, unfortunately, the custom of the time was this. Ruth had to marry the nearest relative. He is known as the kinsman redeemer. Unfortunately, the nearest relative didn't love Ruth, and neither did Ruth love him. So she's stuck. She's in love with another man, but can't marry him. She's not in love with this guy that's supposed to marry him, and the guy didn't want to marry her because he's not in love with her. There was a way out. The way out was this. For him to let Boaz marry Ruth, the custom was this. He had, now watch, to take off the shoes, give it to Boaz. And by taking off the shoes to give it to Boaz, he's saying, I surrender all my rights to you. Ah, you learned something about taking off shoes. I, I bet you never knew that taking off your shoes is so important, right? Until tonight. Taking off the shoes, first of all, means you can touch something. You can touch God. Taking off the shoes means slow down. Don't be so busy. Trust God. Now you learn the third thing. Taking off the shoes means surrendering your rights, which he did. He took off his shoes, surrendered his rights to Boaz, so Boaz could marry Ruth. I tell you something tonight. Jesus Christ is our heavenly Boaz. Jesus Christ is our bridegroom, and we are his bride. Give the Lord a big clap tonight. Hallelujah. He's our bridegroom, and we are his bride. Hallelujah. And tonight, we say to Jesus, Jesus, take all of me. Jesus says, touch me, trust me. And we respond, Jesus, take all of me. Jesus, I love you. I surrender my all to you. One of the greatest lovers of God in history was Mother Teresa. One of the greatest lovers of God. When I read her story, I wept. She once said this, son, you've got to listen to this, and it's just it's too amazing a story to tell. She once said this, love Jesus generously, trust him, or love him trustfully, without looking back and without fear. Give yourself fully to Jesus, and he will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your weakness. How many of you here have at least one weakness in your life? Put up your hands. Thank God we're all the same. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, trust is love more than your weakness? Will you tell them that right now? Do you know that since she was a little girl, Mother Teresa was deeply in love 
with God. Deeply in love with Jesus. She constantly said that from childhood, Jesus Christ had totally captivated her heart. Serving as a nun in her 20s, she once wrote to a spiritual director, to a pastor. She said, I want to be only all for Jesus. I would give everything for Him, even life itself. Wow. When she was 36 years old, she said she wanted to give Jesus something very beautiful, something without reserve. So, 36 years old, Mother Teresa made a vow to God. I will give to God everything that He may ask and not to refuse Him anything. Jesus, I give you everything that you ask. I make a vow. I will never refuse you anything. Anything you ask of me, I will do it. 36 years old, Jesus came to her and said, would you serve the poorest of the poor? Will you be my hands to them? Will you be my feet to them? Will you be as Jesus to the poorest of the poor? First in Calcutta, then in India, and then to the whole world. See, Mother Teresa had a ministry not just to the poor, but to the poorest of the poor. So she would pick up all the lepers, all those with HIV and AIDS at a time when it was not fashionable. There was fear about touching people with AIDS. She would hug them, clean them up, put them in her shelter, feed them, look after them. But what people didn't know was this. Inwardly, for more than 50 years, Mother Teresa struggled with severe, severe depression. I'm not just talking about depression, guys. Severe, severe depression. I was so moved recently when I read the words of the letters that she wrote to her leaders and to her pastors. Listen to this, all right? I'm, and I, I got to be really careful because I don't want to stumble any of you, you know. And, but some of the words, listen to this. She said, I'm longing with painful longing to be all for God, to be holy in such a way that Jesus can live his life to the full in me. The more I want him, the less I'm wanted. I want to love him as he has not been loved. Can you imagine? I want to love Jesus like nobody has ever loved him. Somebody say, wow. And yet there is that separation, that terrible emptiness, that feeling of absence of God. Time magazine said she struggled with severe depression. It never left her until the day she died. There is so much contradiction, she says, in my soul. Such deep longing for God, so deep that it's painful, a suffering continual, and yet not wanted by God, repulsed, empty, no faith, no love, no zeal. Souls hold no attraction, she says. Heavens means nothing 
To me, it looks like an empty place. The thought of it means nothing to me. And yet, this torturing longing for God. Pray for me, please. That I keep smiling at Him in spite of everything. For I am only His. So He has every right over me. I'm perfectly happy to be nobody, even to God. Can you imagine? She struggled with depression and could not find any reprieve. And God felt absent. And here she was, reaching out to souls, serving God, pouring out His life, and God seems like a trillion years away. And she said, even though He's so far, I'm tortured every day because I have a longing for Him. I have a longing for Him. I'm happy to be nobody, even to God. And then she said, the darkness is so dark. The pain is so painful. But I accept whatever He gives, and I give whatever He takes. You can see her very severe depression. But despite of it, she had an amazing attitude of surrender. Of surrender. She says, I know, Mother Teresa says, I know that I want with my whole heart what He wants. As He wants, and for as long as He wants, yet, Father, this aloneness is hard. The only thing that remains is the deep and strong conviction that the work is His. So you can see, Mother Teresa's life is pure, raw faith. Pure, raw faith. Recently, I've been thinking about this. Let me share with you some of my thoughts. We always say, man, Peter, James, and John, how great they are. They walk with Jesus. But yet, in a sense, Paul was greater than Peter, James, and John because Paul had never seen Jesus, and yet he believed. And yet, all of us here, in a sense, in a sense, I say that with fear and trembling, in a sense, we are greater than any of the disciples because we have never seen Jesus, and yet we believe. And yet every day, we are willing to lay down our lives to follow Jesus Christ. We have not seen Him, but we believe. Oh, come on, give the Lord a big hand. Mother Teresa says, man, I was reading, you know, I was, I was reading all her letters, and man, I just wept. I said, here is a woman who severe, absolute depression. And yet he served God by pure faith, even when she felt nothing. She says, I have been on the verge of saying no. It has been so very hard. That terrible longing keeps growing. And I feel as if something will break in me one day. And then that darkness, that loneliness, that feeling of terrible aloneness. And yet I long for God. I long to love Him with every drop of life in me. I want to love Him with a deep personal love. Mother Teresa won the 1979 Nobel Peace Prize. Her ministry to the poorest of the poor is active in 133 countries with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds upon hundreds of missions, orphanages, home shelters of every kind to the poorest of the poor. 
when she died at the age of 87, she was and still is widely considered as one of the greatest women ever lived on this planet. Amazing. Amazing. Touch me. Trust me. And we say, Jesus, take all of me. Tonight, why don't we tell Jesus? And you have your struggles, and I have mine. I don't think any one of us struggle with depression the way Mother Teresa did. But sometimes, we just got to buy pure, raw faith. Jesus, even I feel nothing. Even if I have, I have no reprieve, take all of me. I surrender my all to you. Why don't we all stand up on our feet tonight? That's all I'm going to share with you tonight. But why don't we take a moment, let's just begin to worship Jesus tonight. How many of you tonight in this arena, your heart is a heart of total surrender? Say, Jesus, take all of me. I surrender my all. I take off my shoes. I give you all rights into my life. You have all authority over me. I want to love you like you have never loved, been loved before, Jesus. Because every drop of my life, every ounce of my being, I want to live for you, my first love, my greatest love, Jesus Christ. How many of you want to love God that way tonight? Lift up your hands all over this room.
I'm longing with painful longing to be all for God, to be holy in such a way that Jesus can live his life to the full in me. I want to love him as he's never been loved. She says, For I am only his, so he has every right over me. I'm perfectly happy to be nobody, even to God. I will accept whatever Jesus gives, and I give whatever Jesus takes. I know that I want with my whole heart what he wants, as he wants, for as long as he wants. I long for God. I long to love Him with every drop of life in me. I want to love Jesus with a deep, personal love. Oh God, tonight, let us love you that way, Jesus. Let us love you that way, Jesus.
Tonight, I really just sense God giving us simple three instructions. Touch me. Trust me. God wants us to say, take all of me. And tonight, we're just going to pray together, individually, corporately. Once again, as we come to another service, we don't want to waste this service. We want to say, Jesus, take all of me in exchange of all of you. Tonight, if you want to make the prayer, I want you to just say this prayer out loud together with me. I want you to mean every word you say because God takes our commitment and He takes our prayer very seriously. God believes every word we say. See, God is a believing faith kind of God. Just like He wants us to believe His word, He believes every word we say. I want you to say out loud, say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus. I want to touch you. I want to touch you. I want to trust you. I want to trust you. I want you to take all of me. I want you to take all of me. In exchange for all of you. In exchange for all of you. Help me to love you so deeply. Help me to love you so deeply. You will always be my first love. You will always be my first love. Every drop of my life. Every drop of my life. Every part of my being. Every part of my being. I want to use it to love you. I want to use it to love you. In a deep personal way. In a deep personal way. You have every right over me. You have every right over me. I'm even happy to be a nobody to you. I'm even happy to be a nobody to you. I will accept whatever you give. I will accept whatever you give. And I'll give whatever you want to take. And I'll give whatever you want to take. I surrender my life tonight. I surrender my life tonight. To you alone, Jesus. To you alone, Jesus. We're just talking tongues right now. Just reach out to him. Just tell him. Tell him your love.
Trust me. Say, take all of me. That's right. Just tell Jesus one more time. Say, touch me. Trust me. Take all of me. If you love Jesus one more time, give him a big hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Mark. Why don't we just sing that worship song one more time, shall we? Can we just worship one more time? Just one last song. Hallelujah. Let's just, His word is irrevocable. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, guys. Let's, let's lift up our hands right now. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Father, we thank you for this wonderful service. We just pray that truly help City Harvest Church, help every single one of us to draw closer to you. Come and touch us. Lord, you can trust us as much as we trust you. And Lord, we just pray, take all of us, take all of us from the youngest to the oldest. We give you our all in exchange for all of you. Jesus, what a privilege it is to serve you. Your word is irrevocable. Your grace is undeniable. And Lord, your love is unconditional. Lord, we just put our faith 100% on the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, tonight we just pray the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts. Tonight, let the, the, the width, the length, the height, and the depth of your love just be filling us all in all, everyone, from the youngest to the oldest. We'll walk out this room tonight full of the grace of the Lord Jesus. The love of God, our Heavenly Father. Tonight, we have full communion with the Holy Spirit. And we're about to give all the glory. So bless every single member and bless City Harvest Church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email us at connect at chc.org.sg. 